Hello, my children. You betcha. Warning. Supernatural The Crossroads contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Supernatural, The Crossroads. As always, I'm your host, Thomas Cowley, and joined with me today is Ryan Denton. Hello. And Michael Flores. Who gets up and leaves the room. Who gets up and leaves right as we start, so that's important. Awesome. (laughs) Awesome. Well, guys, today we're talking about Season 12, Episode 16, Ladies Drink Free. Now, this one was written by... Ryan? Ryan Denton wrote this one? Ryan Denton. I mean, that's definitely a title he would go with. I mean, (laughs) yes. That's the first thing I thought about. Or ladies only drink one for free. Oh. And then they pass out. Oh, my God. (laughs) Right, That's his fan fiction spinoff. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. You see his computer. There's just all these like list of names for fan fiction he look, hasn't written yet. He's yeah. taking notes right now. He's all this is good stuff. <laughs> yeah, dude. Look, I, every time we say something dumb, I'm like, ooh, that's a good fan. Write that down. Hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna stick with that. The fact that he wrote this episode. <laughs> I mean, that would explain a lot about the episode. Though. Oh, oh, coming oh, out the on. gate. Oh, wah, come on, wah. we have a whole show to do. You gotta yeah, start like that. Well, I mean, I could have started. Never mind. <laughs> I won't go anywhere. So this one was written by Meredith Glynn, and this was a bit of a Monster of the Week standard episode for Supernatural, mm-hmm. which I'm I'm always mixed about as we get near the end of the show or the end of the season. We are closer to the end. We're not. We're beyond the halfway point now. But I don't know. I I personally like when we just put the pedal to the metal and go all the way into the main story. I don't mind. I, mean, I like to te- go pedal the metal and go all the way in too. You sometimes you got you want to go balls deep, right? You have to. Like the, the tip <laughs> is not as satisfying, especially this late in the game. Yeah, ladies drink for free. Yeah, ladies drink. <laughs> ladies drink. Ladies drink one for free. We're terrible. This out. is why we can't take before two weeks off. Before they pass out, <laughs> what the fuck? It was implied. The horror behind the joke was yeah. implied. Jesus. Good yeah. lord. This is, this, is why, this is why they cannot do this. They cannot take two weeks because A, it feels like a lifetime, and B, Ryan gets all fucking yeah. pumped and excited. Oh, I'm, I'm totally pumped. I think Andrew Dab has got to take that into account from here on out. Like, listen. Dad, listen. You listen. Know, listen I, I, Ryan comes out the box swinging, and we lose <laughs> listeners every time he speaks like this because there's been no episodes of Supernatural. Look, I, guys, I got to feed my need, okay? Oh, Jesus. And at two weeks, that's just, that's a long time. Yeah. The beast needs to be fed. Oh, God. Okay. And, Moving uh, on. <laughs> you know? All right. So, Thomas, you were saying that you kind of want pedal to the metal and yeah, no know. Monster of the Week episodes. You know, I I want to agree, but disagree. Like, I, yes, I think it's time to, like, kick it into high gear here. 
However, I I think it would have been okay if we weren't on a two week hiatus. Yeah. Uh, the fact that we were off that for two weeks and then we come back with the kind of a, a standardized episode. Um, I think that's probably the biggest issue with fans uh, saying that they want more. We want more. And it's so close to the end. I mean, but we still have about six, what, six, seven episodes to go. So I think we have more than enough time to to really delve into the to the myth arc. I th- I think had this episode been before the break, we would have had what? Then the raid and regarding Dean and then like this episode. And then we right. come back with somewhere between heaven and hell with Crowley and we and we learn about Lucifer's vessel and then we just kind of move on from there. Right. I think that might have helped it a bit. It's just I remember last season where the chitters was just kind of stuck in between Lucifer and the angel or the weapons of heaven and then the final push towards Amara and the reveal of Chuck. It felt odd just where it was placed. And I, I don't personally prefer that. But then again, I'm a huge fan of seasons four and five, which just felt like every episode was we're going right for it. Here comes the end of the roller coaster. I think you're right, though. With the two-week break, it kind of threw it off a little bit more than it normally would have. Well, you have to remember, too, like, uh, taking a two-week break off makes this episode feel like it's been, again, it's been a long time since we've seen Supernatural, and they come back with, you know, almost a, mon- a Monster of the Week episode, and it's like, uh, it's, you know. I think it's also, it's just simply more that we've seen it for 12 years, so yeah. it doesn't have the same charm all the time right, right. for us. Now, this one was a bit different. It does have a lot of new lore that was introduced, specifically with werewolves. In this one, we see a little bit more of what the British Men of Letters have in store, what kind of capabilities they have through Mick Davies, and we see a little bit that he's not just this evil character that we were kind of led to believe in the beginning first, with the British Men of yeah. Letters. I'd say he's probably the most moral one we've met so far between uh, what's her name from the beginning? Lady Tony? But, uh, Lady Bevel. Lady Bevel. Tony Bevel. And Mr. Ketch. He's clearly the one who's got his head on straight. Well, yeah, so were all the people that died in the Well, except they're dead, so you know. <laughs> yeah, they were all nice until they died. They were nice enough, right? Yeah. But we see a little bit more to him and his thought process and he's his whole tied by policies, which again brings up questions of what do the British Men of Letters, the old people behind the scenes yeah. at the top, how much do they really have control of everything and what are they actually after? So it, it does bring up a lot of questions in this episode, which is interesting. And Meredith was a lot more serious this episode, the writer Meredith Glenn. The yes. last two episodes she had... The very first one with Hitler was pretty much straight comedy. Regarding Dean had a lot of funny bits, but there was very human moments to it as well. Some very dark moments that we all talked about. Regarding Dean. Regarding Dean, yeah. And this episode is a bit more of the traditional supernatural tone, supernatural feel, and bringing up questions of the, the parallels between what the brothers are dealing with and what, in this specific case... And what they have to deal with on a bigger scale for the season. Right. Well, I also think it's interesting to compare Meredith's work. The one you've been waiting for, we'll leave that one off the table for a moment. But I think Meredith has a little bit of a theme here. Uh, she has that reflected episode, of course, on dementia. And then now she kind of even goes into uh, with a similar tone with questions of ethics and more obligations pertaining to um, illness. Which it's very subtle, but it is there yeah. in regards to someone's right to take their life. This is a social political topic that's been going around for countless years. So 
if it was anybody else writing this, I probably wouldn't look at it like that. But that's one of the first things I thought. I think Meredith ha- has a theme here. I think she's delving into as much as she can. There's only so much you can do in 45 minutes on a show that's not yours. Uh, and you have to stick to a specific spine. This is what right. you write. Don't go by. Don't right. bypass this. But I think she's trying to flex her own creative style a bit. Right. And we And we, this is the first kind of template episode we get to see her do. So. Yeah, well, and you know, if she does another one and she has similar tones, then guess what? Then that's definitely, it's not me pulling shit out of my ass. Right. Well, uh, the thing is, I think the, the one thing that we, we talked about, I think we talked about this a couple episodes ago, is like, are we are we a little too late in the season to be, you know, throwing out, hey, this is my style, you know, like. Hey, the uh, more you know. Oh, what is this, G.I. Joe? Um, <laughs> no, I just think that, you know, I think we had, we discussed it earlier. I don't know if it was a couple episodes ago, but we talked about like. You know, we're throwing out these episodes and we've only got five or six episodes left. And it's like, okay, do we really need to be, you know, hey, guess what, guys? This is my style. Do you guys like it? And it's like, we're getting close to like, hey, we need to get to the full boreness. And it's like of the of the season. And we're still trying to say, hey, look, guys, this is how I do my episode. It's a tricky situation because they are new writers. But at the same time, you only get each one of them has had, what, three episodes at most so far. So you have the problem of they haven't had a lot of room to spread their wings and really show us how they like to do an episode. Right. But you're right, because we, as we get closer to the end of the season, we kind of have to stick to certain things or at least stay focused. I don't think right. the, I don't think there's an issue with them necessarily flexing their creative style. Um, I just think it's uh, it needs to be. It needs to fit into the grand yeah. scope of this year's story and if the general theme of the season isn't about a certain issue then why are we making one-off episodes that are delving into specific themes and that that's kind of it, it makes it feel a little uh not cohesive just i'm not saying this episode felt not cohesive but but if you keep doing something like that that those are the more those are types of themes and issues that showrunners develop an entire series on or or a season on say this season we're going to talk about this much like season seven and their ongoing theme of the issue with our foods and corporations and the gmos and all those things i mean that was a general theme that went through the entire arc of the show yeah and i think i think you're right it it is it's a bit of a fine line but it's not so much that they have to Stop, like they they can't show us how they do a writing it an episode. It's that they have to stick to keeping the season cohesive, right? And as, especially as we move forward towards it, as we have less and less episodes, as that clock counts down, every time we're going to be asking, okay, why was this prevalent to the season? Why was this story told right now? Because if it's just a one off, then as we get closer to the end, that's why it feels odd. And I think that might be one of the reasons why I'm not a fan of them. Yeah. And this so. is going to be an ongoing discussion amongst people in yeah. the Supernatural fandom because some people just don't give a shit about the Monster of the Week episodes. Yep. And some people prefer those. I I am one of those fans that like both. I mean, the show was built upon Monster of the Week episodes and kind of branched into a, a massive serialized story, which ultimately I think gives longevity to a TV show and it's needed. But I think because this season has a lot of stopping points and not due to the supernatural it's not the producer's fault it's cw they're they're creating so much stoppage and gappage in and uh broadcasts of the show the flow Look, is they off. Have such, it's very it's it just right when you're about to get to something 
they pull back because there's uh, an entire winter break for eight weeks. Then they're like, hey, now we're going to take off for two weeks. Now we're going to take off for three weeks. It, It creates inconsistency in viewership. And by the time we come back, people are impatient. I'm sure people who watch it on Netflix probably don't feel as frustrated because they're binge watching and they're not having to take a break from the main meth arc. Let's be honest. You know, the reason they take these huge breaks is so they can come up with more ways on the CW app to show us about Jane the Virgin. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, hey, guys, we need to come up with more things about Jane the Virgin and sex, sex, sex. If they can't watch what they want, they'll have to watch what we have. Let's give them all the bromance and stupid bullshit that we have for (laughs) Jane the Virgin. You know, oh, and also, too, let's throw in some, uh, you know, some Archie shit in there, too. You know, like, yeah, let's just, you know, I painted the picture or whatever. <laughs> Sorry. I, I just, the app just. You get tired of their commercials. Fuck me. I'm, dude, I almost, <laughs> I almost started drinking the other night because of it. And I wanted Take to break the bottle time. and stab myself in the throat. That's how bad it got. All right. Well. I got morbid. Sorry. Violent segue over. Yeah, there's, there are people who prefer Monster of the Week. There are per- people who prefer the actual plot line kind of moving forward. And you're right that the CW breaking up the flow does kind of fuck with how things feel. And Netflix doesn't have to deal with that, which is partly why I kind of wonder how the show would be if it was more like a Netflix or a AMC where it had 13, 16 episodes in much tighter chunks yep. that had, that just told its story. Rather than these breakups, here's two months off, here's two weeks, here's, you know, it's Labor Day, so fuck it, or whatever holiday it is, you know. So I, I wonder about that, but I mean, it, this is kind of a discussion we can have if we get to the point where we're 15 seasons in and we talk about do we want to move to Netflix solely or do we want to do, you know, a movie as the finale kind of thing. So yeah, that's a discussion for another day. Yep. But we've got a little bit of news or I guess a kind of a thought question, a thought provoking question. TV Line apparently put together a list of questions pertaining to the current television shows that are running, one of which was Supernatural. And Supernatural, in this episode, Mick mentions the Hogwarts-like school for the British Men of Letters, which I kind of laughed at that. I was like... I thought it was funny, I think dude. it's kind of cool, but then I started to think of it, and then Sam said it. He's like, like Hogwarts? And my brain was just putting that sentence together. Like you were thinking the same thing right before he said right. it. Right. Yeah, so it I made was me too. laugh. I, was I absolutely like, was too. Okay. So we're all on the same page. Yeah, here. absolutely. I do like the idea in some ways. I think it could be cool. But that's kind of the question is, could something like the British Men of Letters school be the launching point for a spinoff show He's based su- in the I Supernatural universe? I think it'd be cool, dude. I think it'd be super cool, actually. It, it would be different, I think. And it would still, obviously, it's still in the supernatural world. Um, but I think it would be neat. It would also. It would be neat if it was not going to air on the CW. If they go with a Hogwarts type spinoff, you know, it's going to be filled with teeny nonsense. Yeah. Uh, that's my only well, problem. Okay, so you don't make okay, so you don't make it Hogwarts. You make it older, like college or college level or higher than college. It's just a school to learn how to do that, but it doesn't have to be, you know, 10-year-olds learning how to fucking Avada Kedavra yeah. each other, okay? <laughs> I think the idea of it is cool. It just, it all comes down to execution, because honestly, you can throw up five ideas in the air, and any of those five ideas could be amazing as a Supernatural spinoff, but it all comes down to execution. We can't have another Bloodlines fiasco, because if we do, we will, we will never have another spinoff again. So yeah. they have to be very careful uh, on their decisions. And 
they need to make sure that it fits into the world of supernatural. And so whatever they do, whether it be Wayward Daughters or the Hogwarts or, you know, Travis Aaron Wade spinoff, which I highly doubt that's going to happen. That'll never happen. Um, and, um, and how many other spinoff ideas has been the circulating? The cult in the... 1800s the men of letters or bobby and rufus it doesn't matter if they don't if it doesn't fit the tone of supernatural if you start this off with a cw vibe of nonsense guess what's going to happen the elite fan base will say fuck off see you later we're not going to watch you know vampire diaries part five we're just not going to do it so they have to make sure they're writing for the supernatural demo and not the CW demo, because I think we can all agree that the demographic of Supernatural is va- is diverse and very different than the standardized demo that you have on the CW. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's kind of where, if they were to do a spinoff, I know CW obviously wants to be involved with it, but I think that's something where the Netflix idea or the different st- style behind how you release episodes, not 23 with a bunch of breaks in between but like 13 solid episodes either in one go or in two different goes after a winter break could help that especially with something if you want to do a spinoff you have to have a much tighter story i feel because you're going to have the hardcore fans who you need to attract are going to compare it to what they've known Mm -hmm. and if you try and be too similar to what they liked it's not going to work but if you're too different it's not going to work so you have to be very careful and i think that's kind of where bloodlines faltered was it was too different and like Mike it said, was too wanna be it was, be, it, was it was too wanna be hip. Yeah. It was a wanna be hip maneuver. It was like, hey guys, we're cool and young. No, you're not fooling anybody. And I think the thing is if you're a fan of Supernatural, you no offense to anybody out there, but we're all an older demographic now because it's been around eh, for twelve years. I, I would disagree with that. I was, not I, not everyone, I, but goes, you can't go with the teeny bopper CW vibe well, that they've had before. That's okay, because you're right and you're and you're not right. I, I know example, from a TV exec point, I'm not. Because, but. like I said, it's a very diverse audience because it's been around for 12 years. Some of us are older, some of us are younger, but the young ones, let's say there are 17, 18, 19-year-olds watching this, mm-hmm. they are watching and they continue to watch based on what they saw in the first season. Yeah. No one started watching on in season 11. Chances are, if you just write an awesome show, everybody's going like to watch it. it. If they're into this type of thing, they're going to watch it. Don't focus so much on the CW demo. Focus on a good, solid story. And I would almost argue then, don't try to make a show that's just like Supernatural is currently. You're try right. to make a show that is inspired in the same way that Supernatural was when it started. Yeah, Have the same heart I, behind it. And you will draw the fans. Exactly. And I wouldn't even have a problem at this point. I know we always make these jokes about uh, about Kripke coming back and doing the spinoff or him coming back and doing the final season. Mm-hmm. But honestly, after we saw what Carver did by himself in season 11, when there was no Robert, not to say anything bad about Robert Singer, but obviously when you look at the the variables there, why was season 11 so strong? There was one voice controlling the season and it was Carver. And you could see what Carver could do by himself with nobody pitching in. I would say bring Carver back. His show just got canceled on Netflix or uh, it didn't do well on Netflix and it didn't do good on CW. <laughs> Sadly, so his, yeah. And his show was amazing. Frequency was awesome. Bring him back. Have him do his own effing thing where he can completely do his own story. And I guarantee you that would sh- it would shine. Yeah, take the safety training wheels off because frequency didn't feel like it belonged on the CW. No. It didn't have that teeny bopper vibe. 
And I'm not saying I have, I sound, I sound like an old man saying teeny bopper, but I'm just, I'm using that as, I'm using that as the defining word for a certain demo that CW really wants. Yeah. Or at least that's their target market. Desperately, desperately seeks. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, also, if you are a Patreon subscriber, we A, want to thank you for that, but we have new episode of Supernatural The Crossroads video cast where we discuss the weapons of heaven and some of the missed opportunities from season six. I think that's a nice way to put it. And there's... there's is, it, is it really a nice way? <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's the most charitable way that we're going to say it. Yeah. But we, we just... Thank you very much. We discuss the weapons of heaven, some of the elements of season six that we felt could have been elaborated on a bit more or delved into a bit more. This is a very long topic, so I think it's part one of what? I'd even title it part part, one. I'd even title it part one. I just said season six, heavens, weapons of heaven. And then the next chapter or the next installment will be season six, the Campbells. Right. Season six, Eve. Season six. (laughs) Alphas, yeah, <laughs> like, Castiel's black jizz, like oh, it'll, it'll, it'll oh. just different. Oh, that's season seven. Huh? <laughs> yeah, that's seven where he jizzes out of his eyeballs. Well, like you, if you had to wait two weeks, you know, you can have backup. Oh. Uh, look, dude, that's probably what would happen. It would come out my nose. Oh god. Well, if you guys not this part, but if you guys are interested in watching any of the other supernatural the Crossroads video cast, you can check that out now. If you are a Patreon subscriber, pay Rainman Digital Premium, and if you're not, get on it. Get yeah. on me. Get on me. <laughs> Both? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, same Do time. It. Double, Do ri- it. double ride it. Ladies drink for free. Oh, God. Or once. <laughs> With that, guys, I think we're going to need to take a quick break. Let Ryan vent out some of this repressed, I don't even know what, sexual tension. <laughs> so with that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Your junk, and I don't. I don't want someone judge me like that way. For all I know, you other people are thinking that did. way. Yeah. Oh man, I can see this guy's penis, or I can't see his penis from my peripheral vision. You think way you too were, much about this. You were I'm a thinker. I'm a thinker. <laughs> That's what you're so you're like saying, it. "Don't judge me. Let me look at your penis." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, Einstein thought about the stars and how to solve problems and scientific equations. You thought about a dude's uh, dick in a trunk stop. Right. You're the Einstein of dicks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a certain amount of geometry, right, to you know peripheral vision of seeing the cock. There has to be. Oh no, I, I challenge you. you. I imagine you with this like Sherlock mind palace, imagining the shape of it, and the, there's like numbers going around for circumference and length. He probably like he know he clearly noticed you looking at his dick, right? So he no because just made I was no shield. no a shield. Is that what shield you do? Shield with a like, little. Dick house with your hand. A little dick house. So people can't see you. (laughs) For more Rain Man, visit RainManshow.com. Politic 3 program is reinstated. Open sesame! 
Star Trek to Star Wars. Yeah. And I know that's blasphemous to so many science fiction fans out there because so many people believe you can't be fans of Star Trek and Star Wars. Star Wars. It's weird. The producers of Star Trek would never go up against this on the same weekend as release of Star Wars and vice versa. That's just silly. It'd be silly, but oh my god, it, I think the geek community would just explode at that point. Oh my god, I'm going to wear my Star Trek gear and I'm going to set phasers to kill for any <laughs> Star Wars fans that get in the way. Good luck blocking that was your saber. No. Can you picture, though, if like we've always been speculating about like Dave Filoni's next project, what happens if it's a live action Star Wars film or Star Wars TV show? Yeah. And they put it right against Discovery. Oh, that would be something. Oh, my God. What am I going to do? <laughs> Say, set phasers to full effect on Dave Filoni's penis. <laughs> oh, you can't defeat Dave Filoni's penis because we're going to put a ray shields over it. Take <laughs> that, Star Trek baddies. Star Trek from the holodeck. Exclusively on Rain Man Digital. Go to RainmanDigitalMedia.com or Patreon.com slash RainmanDigital. End simulation. Entertainment Earth, Thomas. What is that? Uh, bring Hollywood home. Entertainment Earth is a place to get all your geekdom wants from action figures, bobbleheads, to pipe pop vinyls. I have too many of those. And more Entertainment Earth is your one stop for your fandom needs. Since 1996, they've shipped millions of toys and collectibles to thrilled clients around the world, and now you too can jump on board the bandwagon. Um, Dude, I seriously have way too many pop vinyls. I have a lot too, but they I fucking fill up the shelf. I have like all the supernatural ones except like the metallic. Variants. You can I've, never have too many, Thomas. I've got Red Eye, uh, Crowley. I've got the FBI ones. I've got Bobby. I got <laughs> Angel Wings and Leviathan cast. Yeah, I, I have three. That's all I can take for now. I want more, but I just have nowhere to put them. There are a lot of them are in my closet still. <laughs> yeah. In the boxes. But so, you can never have enough. Entertainment Earth, guys. Uh, you're going to see a lot of links on our website. Their affiliate. They have affiliated with us, I should say, and they're now our official affiliate. Uh, and you can help us out, help the show out by just clicking on the links. And when you do want to buy some pop vinyls if or some other, some, I mean, or I some other elements of geekdom, go through our links first. Once you're once you go through that link, buy until your heart's content. Uh, that helps us. Or out. your wallet's broke. Yeah, either way, because that's usually what stops me. Entertainment Earth. Uh, <laughs> head over to RaymanDigitalMedia.com and click on those links. Have you ever wanted something so bad that you do just about anything for it? Well, that's exactly how we feel about you. That's right. AdamandEve.com wants you so bad. We're giving you 10 free gifts with your first order. You heard me right. That's 10 free gifts to spice up your love life. First, you'll get a sexy surprise for her. Second, an adventurous toy for him. And third, a little something we know you'll both enjoy. Plus, you'll get six full-length adult movies on DVD. And number 10, free shipping on your entire order. That's 10 free gifts for you shy types who've never tried Adam and Eve before. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item. It could be an adventurous new toy, a sexy piece of lingerie, or anything you desire. Just enter offer code DEAL30 at checkout and you'll get all 10 free gifts, including free shipping. That's offer code DEAL30. That's D-E-A-L-30 at adamandeve.com. Previously on Supernatural The Crossroads. This isn't exactly supernatural related, but we have to talk about it. So we're just <laughs> we'll get the let's just get it out elephant of out of the room. Yeah. 
yes, there was a Walking Dead Negan reference in Supernatural. Now, I almost, Thomas, didn't even want to put it in the show notes just because that little bit consumed social media. Yeah. Out of all the cool things that happened this week, yep. that is what made headlines. Oh, my God, Negan. Another show Did you guys? Headlines. Did you guys catch the reference to Negan this week? That's the headline for these websites. Like, no, you idiot. I did it. No, I didn't see the giant elephant in the room vigorously masturbating and saying, hey, look at The Walking Dead. Yeah, I half expected Negan to pop up and beat me over the head with it. (laughs) It wasn't exactly subtle. No. And the the headline was like the Easter egg. No, that wasn't an Easter egg. Hard to miss Easter egg from The Walking Dead. More of this at 10. (laughs) No. Blatant prop stand-in. Consumes five minutes of screen time and five minutes of me reading this article. Oh, the ne- the Negan finale. They're going to use the bat. What if they pro- what if they promote it's an that? hour of just somebody getting beaten with a bat? Hey guys, in the season finale of Supernatural, what show is that one? Oh, it doesn't matter. They're going to use the Negan bat. Welcome back, everyone. Supernatural: The Crossroads. Now we're going to be talking about season twelve, episode sixteen. Ladies, drink free. Ryan, synopsis, please. Dean and Sam let Mick Davies tag along on a case as they search for a werewolf, and they run into Claire Novak. The reunion is short-lived after Claire is bitten, and the brothers race to find a way to help her before she turns into a werewolf. I added the last into. I was say, I think you ad libbed a little bit there. Yeah, but I just decided to do, do my best Thomas now, impression. Look so, at look at Ryan flexing his writing muscles. <laughs> I added two words. I'm already more genius. Yeah, more great. genius. Yeah, think about it. You're a regular Meredith Glenn. <laughs> I'm a. <laughs> So does that, yo. <laughs> All right, Ryan, can you tell me, because I'm not going to try. Can it's, you say who this is directed by? I'm, I'm pretty sure this name is Eamon Caterali. Yeah, that's, that's right. Eamon right? Caterali. Yep. Okay. Yep. I didn't, I didn't He's very it, spiritual. I, using, I use Ryan now as my speaking spell. So, which I should tell me that I'm fucked in the future. Probably not good. I don't, I don't think that's, that's wise. Not a good thing. I think it's a bad idea, but it's what I've got right now. Well, what's funny is that you don't listen to DC on CW, so because I fuck names up just as bad as you were over there. So, <laughs> it's much different when you're live and you're doing a, and you're the main host. I think it's a host. Chair you start thing. messing up things that you nev- never, never normally remember. see. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think it is. It's just a curse of the the job at this point, right? Right. Now, we know Meredith has written the one you've been waiting for regarding Dean, and now this one, Ladies Drink Free. Now, Catarali has never before directed an episode of Supernatural. This is something that I don't think we've had in, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but for quite some time. It's always been somebody who's done at least one episode or has been around for quite some time. He has very little television experience, period, Um, which is surprising because in the past, Supernatural has had a very deep box, a very deep toolbox. <laughs> you guys are children. <laughs> oh, man. You use the worst words you could possibly think of. <laughs> a, very, a very decorated there, there we go. group of directors <laughs> with a deep box. A very extensive... A very large hole of things. That we are can... children. <laughs> yeah, we are. Sorry. No, but you're right. It's... A very extensive Rolodex yes. of directors. And this season, and even last, they're using a lot of directors who've been one, two, three episodes. They're not, they're not bringing on 
directors who've been on board for a long time. It's like they've kind of limited themselves in terms of directors. They're, they're like, they're, it's all in-house now. They're not reaching out to any long-termers. Right. And now they're using somebody new, uh, which is, I think, is very surprising and also kind of dangerous to do that. I, I don't know. Dangerous. I understand TV guys need to have their break and their chance, but on the 17th episode of season 12, bringing on a brand new director who's it's never sketchy. really directed a television episode except one that I've never heard of. I'm not saying anything bad about him. He could be a very exceptional director. Um, I just, I find it surprising that you're doing yeah. that. Well, especially because you look at just a couple of years ago, like season 10, there's a lot of names on the director's chair that we don't see anymore. Yeah, there's lots of choices out there. So I'm wondering what the, the motivation reason, is. Yeah, what the motivation was behind this particular hired director. Right. Now, this episode, we start out with Mick Davies and Sam and Dean hanging out at the British Mental Letters bunker, which I assume is much quieter these days. Yeah, it's probably it's probably got a lot less going on with the terrible blood stain that has not been properly cleaned out of the concrete. That's always something you want to see, right? Yeah, I mean, Clorox is really hard to use, you know, <laughs> I mean, they should probably, you know. Now, we see that Davies is still giving them cases, and Dean is trying to be a part of the play along. You know, Sam wanted to try and work with the British Middle Letters. Now, Dean's like, if we really want to try, if you really want to try it, we can. He's still clearly not happy about it, wanting to leave within the first minute, minute and a half that we see him. And Davies decides to join them on this one. Which I thought was a little weird, and it was almost a little fishy. You know, but I guess he thought he had ulterior motives. Yeah, I thought, you know, I still don't trust them fully, obviously, but it's uh, it was. Yeah, I, I thought he might have had a little there might have been a little, you know, ulterior motive for that decision. I, I don't think there was. I think it's exactly what it is. I think we were yeah. meant to see that he's now questioning. He's now questioning the decisions from high up. Now that he's in the trenches, he's experienced bloodshed firsthand. He's no longer a bean counter. He's not behind the computer desk. He's not, you know, giving orders from a mile away. He's not pushing the red button and putting the security code to drop drones on people from millions of miles away. There's now faces on the dead. He now sees it. And that was the entire point of this episode for McDavies. It was for him to say, wow. Things are a lot different when you have to look them in their eyes and stab them in the heart with a with a needle. Yep. Where it's kill or be killed and you have to make those decisions. I think that's the entire point. He's reflecting and he's going to be the wild card in this entire scenario for season 12. He's going to be that wild card because I think we can all agree that the season's going in this direction of it's going to be men, uh, the men of letters, British version versus Sam and Dean in terms of ethics and morality. And, Absolutely. And Davies is that wild card. He, he's drinking the Winchester Kool-Aid um, because I think he joined him for the very reason that not to put the needle in the heart of this werewolf. I think he joined them because he wants to get his hands dirty and he wants to understand and not be a victim. I think that was the entire point. I agree. I think you see that rather clearly from the beginning. I mean, he he before was talking to Mr. Ketch about why didn't you do it this way or why did you do right. it that way? And Catch even calls him out on his bullshit, essentially. He says, when you're down here in the mud, things get dirty and shit happens. And again, like Mike said, he was kind of not really buying that or still had that, you know, armchair general mentality. Oh, it's it's way far away. I don't have to deal with it until the alpha vamp is looking you dead in the face and says, I'm going to kill you. Right. Then things are different. That shit hits home all of a sudden. 
And you're right. I think he definitely didn't want to be a victim. And we already know from the very onset of this season that Catch is a lost cause. He's not the wild card. There's we, no we, bringing no. him back. We he's are, not, yeah. yeah, we already know what side he's going to fall on. Right. The wild card is McDavies. He's going to be the one who either dies this year because he decides with the, he sides with the Winchesters or he helps them in some way. But I think it's already coming going that route. Yeah. And even if he decides to choose sides against them, regardless, I like the play on that. I like the foreshadowing of there needs to be a decision made that he's going to be forced to make a decision. Yep. Well, it also plays into leading into the old men behind the curtain because he very much was one step down from that. He was the one giving orders, barking commands, but never seeing what really happened. Now that has moved forward to him being in the trenches and the people above him are calling the, the old ones who are calling the shots. He now questions their decision making just like he questioned his own. And I think it's something that we can all kind of relate to in some ways that very much you have this life shaking experience where everything you believed in has been questioned. Not everyone deals with that, but I think everyone can identify with that. Everyone has a point in time. It doesn't have to be your entire character or everything you believe in, but where you had a firm belief and then something happened that is tested and you may or may not change it, or at the very least you question it. And that's nothing that's finite, meaning even Sam and Dean, I would say oh, yeah. 11 years ago. No, I'd say nine years, eight years ago. I'd say eight years ago, they were on the catch McDavies train, but as they progressed yeah. and, and grew as hunters and even develop relationships with people who may be monsters, and they realize that they're not all the same. And this is something that Carver was working on, uh, I want to say, Way since back. season nine, season eight. He's been working on that whole gray area, specifically with Benny, the relationship between Benny and Dean. Right. So this gray area is nothing new. And because of the, Benny was the beginning of the end, he was the catalyst that changed the perspective for Sam and Dean Eventually, Sam, it took a little bit longer. Well, Sam had that friend from season seven that Dean killed. That's right. Girl. That's right. Sam was already kind of on that mindset due to his own personal nature, being the monster freak, the demon child, the vessel of Lucifer. He was already making those questions back in season two when we first see werewolves. Uh, I cannot I can never remember her name. Madison, I think. Yeah. The werewolf who you kind of see the difference between they're not all bloodthirsty killers and that's just what they do and but in that season they still just kind of kill him and move on to the next town season seven we see that sam has between accepting who he is and his friend knows that that line is much much grayer and by season eight with benny is when dean finally comes around to that and we see him flat out confront davies well, on this exact yeah, point he, he flat out says to the guys like look it's 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 different out here you know, it's not black or white. Yeah. It's, it's hard out here on a pimp. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got to have your pimp hands way strong. Yeah. Sometimes um, you got to be softer with the hand. Yeah. Sometimes you got to hit the ass. Sometimes you got to hit the <laughs> face. You know what? And man? sometimes you got to use the back of the hand. Uh, yeah. And some, and you keep that back of the hand strong as a motherfucker. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. But no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Preach. <laughs> Preach. Preach. And I get a witness oh, in the congregation. <laughs> Anyways, where's the no camera reason. when we need it to see Mike doing his church chant, whatever the fuck? Well, that was he was he's he was in the snake church. He was getting the snake venom. He was getting uh, exercised yeah. by yeah. the devil. Yeah, um, but no, he he confronts him. He's like, hey, you know, this is they have faces. You these people are these are people that just happen to be you know have a have another problem. And They're I think, monsters. I yeah. think this fits into the differences between the British Middle Letters and the American Hunters. It's very much 
they always saw the men of letters as the paper pushers, the ones on high who don't really know what it's like. And right. when they came here all high and mighty, we know how to do this and we're going to tell you how to do it. The American hunters immediately push back because as Sam and Dean says, and now as Davies is finally realizing is it's not as black and white as it seems. So yeah. when you just genocide wipe out all the vampires in the what Midwest, it's not as easy. Don't you know? Don't you know? It's not I'm a as vampire, easy to say, don't you know? Don't you know I'm a vampire? I'm going to suck your blood. You sound half Hispanic. That's the whole point. And half Minnesotan. <laughs> you have the weirdest backstory. Hey, look, dude, I'm just trying to add drapes so we can have more drugs. He moved from Mexico to Minnesota, got bit by a vampire. It was a really weird week. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he also said like a he sounds like a Midwest Count Dracula. <laughs> I want to suck your blood. No, no that's just Count no, Chocula no. at this point. Oh. Okay, so Thomas <laughs> yeah. and Ryan, <laughs> let's, let's read this back in here. Yeah. Now, honestly, one of the strongest elements of this season is the fact that they're utilizing things that have been built on for the past four years, like the gray area. And the fact that they're using that general idea pretty much for the backbone of this season, I think that's why it works so well. I agree. And I think it works in... Because in, it wasn't just something they pulled out of their ass. I'm like, you know what? This seems right. This seems pretty good. Sam suddenly changed his view on monster hunting. Let's go with it this year. It was something that's been going on for four and a half years. It's been something that's been going on for four and a half years, but I also like how it directly comes off of the questions we all ask at the end of season 11, how much good and even season 10, how much good are you doing and how much bad are you doing to reach that good? You get rid of the market cane, you let out the darkness though. So what was that worth it? And we saw that we talked about this a lot with episode seven, uh, rock never dies where Vince Vicente's vessel gets destroyed by Lucifer. Right. And the band all gets murdered and he's like this wasn't a win you know the this whole season has been the winchester is questioning how much good they're doing is it a win if you meet certain criteria or is it still a loss if people die we see how much they try to do good with magda in american nightmare and we see the british men of letters come with a completely different playbook rule book and fuck with that and now mcdavies is kind of caught in the middle, and he's that character. Who, <laughs> Sounds like a new like McDonald's hamburger. <laughs> McDavies available for a limited time. Available for a limited time. It's it, in one of those un, those not on the menu special. Comes with free sy- syringe. What? Because <laughs> he uses a syringe to kill people. McDonald's with heroin. What the? <laughs> yeah, dude. Actually, there'd be a lot of crackheads who are totally into that. Oh Jesus! And Amsterdam, they're all into that. But he is this the character That's a that different is different type of crack. Yeah, <laughs> that is caught in the middle. And in most other stories of this kind of nature at this point, he'd be the main character. Yeah. Davies. Oh, yeah. And you have to make this this choice. This is like textbook storytelling in some regards with you start on one side of the fence, then something happens. You start to question loyalties. You switch to the side that has more attractive people who are usually the rebels. Yeah. You know, that's the Winchesters in this regard. Ladies. So. (laughs) What? But, uh, Thomas, you you mentioned that the whole... The whole, like, this isn't a win when Sam said, but this isn't a win. And I think ultimately that line is going to pay off later this season, meaning working with the men of letters isn't going to be a win because of the fact what we saw a couple episodes ago when all hell broke loose, when the alpha came in with vampires and murdered everybody because they were kicking over the hornet's nest. 
now in this episode, we specifically hear the werewolf say, I was minding my business. I don't kill people. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, my entire family, my pack is gone and dead from hunters that I've never seen before. And now we're making more werewolves as a result. Exactly. So in the end, Sam, because he has the common sense, is going to be like, look it, you know, I thought this was going to be a good thing, but you guys are actually doing more damage than 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 uh than good they, yeah. there's more negative than positive here well and that's you're kind creating of the problems that don't need to be there you know if you go and try and stomp out all of this the others you know it can you can get really political with it if you try and destroy the others and make this utopian society you're just going to also fuel dissent later and people you'll give people who didn't have a reason before to want to attack you now so it's, it, it's much like the the whole line of thinking of, uh, you know, we the American United States creates our own enemies because we kick over the historically sometimes we have. Yeah, it's the same kind of thing. And the British Mail letters in and America, you know, are doing that's that. kind of what they're playing with this. Yeah. Year. With the entire nameless kill, the nameless deaths. I don't see them. I push a button right. from far away. They're definitely, definitely playing with politics this year, without right. a doubt. Well, and then, you know, we see Davies has that change of heart when he ends up killing, I don't remember the girl's name, who becomes a werewolf, but he does see the difference. Useless guest cast number one? Yeah, right. useless chick that was, uh, you know, your typical teenager. I think Mike's is a little easier to say. Yeah, but I went, I went the extra mile. <laughs> right. She, it's different when you send Mr. Ketch to kill Magda in some, you know, bus stop bathroom. Ugh. That's, it's horrible, that but it was so bad. It, it was like, it sounds like sounds like the misadventures of Gay Andrew. Oh. <laughs> That's a truck stop bathroom. It's very different. You gotta listen to Rain Man for that one. There's a glory <laughs> hole involved in that one. Uh, but when he is defending himself against a monster that wants to kill him, it's killer be killed. Which I I did. Part of me was a little upset, and I know they weren't going to just have him flat out kill her in her sleep. Because he, he's supposed to be this. He's not the Mr. Catch. He's not Mr. Catch. Yeah. So when it was self defense, it gave him that kind of gray out. It wasn't. It was. It was not even necessary. Yeah, it was. Yeah, definitely self defense. Yes. I don't know what I was. I was about yeah, to argue. I was about to argue a point that wasn't. Was there. not even there. Yeah. You were just going to argue just for the sake of arguing. Yeah. Yeah. Now I liked Dick. that in some ways because not only did he, it, it, you know, you have the whole you see someone die in front of you element. How, what's that like? Have you had that happen, Thomas? He's all, I like it. Do hobos count? <laughs> <He's> all, <laughs> God, that was all, I liked it. I like the whole when you see someone die no. in front of you. Is what he just said. Yeah, sure, he's take a, that out of context. There's going to be a drop next week. Perfect. You need more drops. There, I there like we the, go. I like the the moral issue that it brings up to see someone who has only Absolutely ever just pressed agree. the button to now have to deal with it in person. And I kind of find it interesting because Dean grabs his shoulder and he's immediately in pain. It kind of, God damn it, right? I liked that element because it shows a how much shit hunters go through, and Sam and Dean because it right. didn't look like McDavies got hurt really at all. Yeah, it but all like of a sudden he got, got like a torn shoulder yeah. and like fucked up. Sam and Dean have clearly gone through much worse, but it also kind of re-cements that he doesn't know what he's doing. He's out of his element. He is that paper pusher who just got thrown into the field and is complaining because he's sore the next day. It, it it to me it helped make him more believable. Well, it made it believable. It made it rather obviously... than he could just oh yeah I can just fight off a werewolf all of a sudden. No, he got hurt. Yeah, you know I like that too. But it does bring up the question: if Davies was willing to kill 
an innocent girl who was asleep at that time. I, I don't know. I, I maybe I'm the the other side of things. I don't necessarily think she's innocent. No, she's I mean, not. She's, is she eh. is she innocent in terms of she hasn't killed anybody? But again, hunters. This is what hunters do. What he did is nothing different than what Sam and Dean would have done. You know, ten years ago, they've changed. Right. But this is a hunter thing. You have to make those hard decisions. The hunter life isn't easy. I mean, it isn't rainbows and sunflowers. Yeah, unicorns. Oh, wait, that you're, was you're an killing episode. people. That was an episode. I mean, Bobby killed his own wife. Yeah. Because yeah, she true. was a demon. He didn't bother looking up any lore on to try to cure. He killed her. Yeah. People make bad decisions. I do like that part, though, because it isn't. You're dealing with the supernatural. Guess what I would do if someone was a werewolf in front of me? I'd kill him. <laughs> you would die. If there was a five-year-old running at me with werewolf fangs, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to kick that little fucker in the head. <laughs> God, Jesus. This is my Let's be real about this. a kid across the room. Let's be real about this. No, you're right. That, But it, it is different when it's somebody you know as well, which is why I like Bobby's story in that regard. But it does he's bring up the question. He's back on the market. Come on. <laughs> Jesus. It does bring up the question, though, if he's willing to kill some random person and he knew about Garth, he, he was amazed that the Winchesters let him live. And even, Wait, did he know about Garth? No, no, no. Once yeah. they tell him, he's oh, like, yeah. Are you yeah, fucking serious? Him. Yeah. Well, you saw him flip out when, exactly. when Sam's all, wait a second, you killed all, what did he say, All you killed all the werewolves? Did he say something like that? You yeah, killed all them? the werewolves in London or in England, even the ones who hadn't killed anybody. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. Well, that raises the question between Garth and almost Claire in this episode. Will the British Men of Letters be willing to kill Winchester friends? Now, this is this is double edged in well, some ways. I because mean, Mick did threaten and or at least used to taunt Dean about demon friends and witch friends. They know about Crowley. I'm assuming they know about Rowena. They know about Cass. Yeah, and they can't be happy with that. Right. And if the Winchesters are the ones who, if the British Men of Letters old ones are right, and if they join, the rest of the American hunters will follow. But if the Winchesters are the mascots and they've got enemy monster friends, is this something that they can allow? Right. So are they going to then require Davies, who's gotten close to them, to find and or kill these friends of theirs or Mr. Ketch? Yes. Yes. They, Mary, they don't, they Mary's don't. not that close to Crowley, obviously, or yeah. even Cass, because she was going to let him die. The men of letters don't give a shit about anybody. I think that the British men of letters, I think that's I think that's a given at this point. And the only reason why they are giving the Winchesters kind of free reign is because they're superstars. And that's something they Andrew, need them. And that's something Andrew D- Dabb did very smart. He It was a smart maneuver that he did very early on this season. By the whole Aza Fox episode, showing that the Winchesters are important to the Hunter community. This isn't back in season four or five when the Hunters were out to kill Sam because he's the spawn of Satan. Right. Things are different. They've saved the world. Rumors have spread. These guys are rock stars amongst the Hunter community. That's something that Dab did. It was a smart move to do that, to introduce that concept early on, because now we understand why the the old men of letters, the old men, the people in charge in the shadows are allowing the Winchesters to kind of have free reign for the time being because they're manipulating them. They're like, hey, 
we need you guys and we're going to be okay with the demon and the witch and your your Garth werewolf friend and Claire and anybody else that Castiel, anybody else who represents a danger, in our opinion, to humanity for now. It's going to be okay for now. But as soon as we have used your connections and your clout and your your fame, we're going to turn on you. That's exactly what's going to happen. Well, the best thing about using them and, and why they're using them is is if if Sam and Dean have signed on to this cause why won't other hunters exactly you know and it's because yeah. it's like uh the asa uh what is it asa fox yeah look how much of like you said mike they're rock stars yeah people are like oh my god it's sam and dean right so like if these guys have signed on for the british men of letters what's going to stop other people from doing it exactly right but because of their bad quote influences from crowley rowena right are they going to use mcdavies their mom mr catch to find and kill some of these people now, obviously, I don't the think they're a priority right now. Not right now. I don't think they're a priority. They're not a priority unless they want to threaten the Winchesters into line. Right. You do what we say, or Garth, Crowley, Cass are all dead. That could be the problem. You let these people in too close, then they can control you. Through, just through blackmails, threats of violence, yep. the, what have you. That I could see happening. Not necessarily from Davies or even Mr. Ketch at this point. But I think from the old bastards in charge, just look, always look at the foreshadowing elements. Okay. Yeah. A couple weeks ago, Dean finally made peace. Dean and Sam. Yeah. Finally made peace with Crowley. Still not a good sign. Um, This is going to come into play. This is going to be a thing, a teetering point between the Winchesters and the men of letters. I think that is probably going to be the biggest threat to a character this season. Because I think they don't know, repair and mend a relationship like that and no. and then solidify it by saying it via exposition. Yeah. Unless there's a reason there's for a it. Reason being they it, want yeah. to make sure even the dumbest of, of audiences gets, oh shit, Crowley's cool but with he's everybody their now. Friend now. How right. could they kill him? That kind of thing. Cass is a bit different because you might be able to argue he's an angel. So is he really bad? Does that count? I mean, does that count as a monster? I guess. Well, you know what? The, to the men fight, of letters, if they fight the supernatural, then yes. If I they would... fight monsters, then no. So it depends on where they draw that line. Cass That's has what I was not been about. Cass hasn't been involved with them enough directly for us to know yet. But he's also a powerhouse. Yes, he's kind of been toned down from what we've seen in previous seasons. But lore-wise, as far as they know, as far as we should believe, Castiel, as an angel, is still a powerhouse threat that the Winchesters have in their pocket. And again, if the British Men of Letters want He's to, a big dick. That's what we call he's him. He's a big dick. That's, yeah. the way, that's what we call him in the hood. And a if, big cock. if they want to control how Sam and Dean make their decisions, if they join them, if they fall into line, then he may be seen as a threat that has to be removed. Honestly, I can see the angels being a threat to them as well. I could. Because they I don't think they're control and power hungry. I don't think that's their thing. I think they're self-righteous. And, you know, it's, they're like, it, we are going to control everything. We're going to maintain the balance on Earth here. And if angels are interfering in things, look at the fact that they have sigils to stop them. They, they have all these weapons to stop angels yep. for a reason. Well, not they, just you don't that. just create a weapon for something unless you plan on killing it or catching it. Am well, I right, Ryan? Right. No, it's it's one hundred percent true. And this comes into the main theoretical at this time threat: the Nephilim. They could argue that okay, yeah, you're friends with an angel, but just because they're an angel doesn't mean they do good. Look at the Nephilim. 
angels themselves see this as a threat. And now the greatest one of all is at knocking at our doorstep. And you guys let right. it happen because you're too close to Crowley, because you're too close to Castiel or Rowena. Had the British Men of Letters been in the same situation to exercise Lucifer and had control of Kelly Klein, I don't think anybody would have walked out of that alive. Well, as I say, the, the, the control of Kelly Klein would have been her dying. But because in 30 they trust seconds. Cass and Cass made a mistake. Well, let's be honest, nobody can control her. She's a free spirit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have this baby. I'm gonna add this baby. It's I, gonna come out with red eyes. I and don't some... care. I don't care if he has a tail in a pitchfork. <laughs> he gonna come out snapping. He's my baby. What you do you should... I love his daddy? You oh, should see God. my baby daddy. He got an even bigger tail and pitchfork. And a big D. He put that pitchfork right inside <laughs> me. That's how I got this baby. It's three pronged. <laughs> he got three pronged dick. It's an extension cord. <laughs> <laughs> he inserted in two holes. Oh. And it was electric. <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about? And then some blue flame came out my cooter. Okay. Okay. Why does Ryan always... Always. He has to find the line and then fuck it up. <laughs> it was funny. It was good. And then he just takes it yep. down this non-funny yep. route. No, it was funny. It was, I said blue flame because, you know, Thomas talked about fur and blue flame. No. But that is, that is my biggest question is if the Nephilim is this big a threat and the angels want it dead... There's nothing that's going to make the British Men of Letters, at least the older ones in charge, think that that this is not something that needs to be taken care of. It's not only that, though. This entire theme of the gray area is working towards one final decision, and it's going to lead to, do we kill the Nephilim baby? The baby's going to be born, it's going to be a child, and Sam and Dean are going to have it in their their crosshairs, and the decision is going to have to be made. Just snap Do we kill this child? That was the beautiful thing and I use that word loosely about this episode was there was direct they were trying to foreshadow that I guarantee you that's what it's going to lead to it's going to lead it's going to lead to that do we kill a baby because it's a Nephilim and the offspring of the devil it's it's the would you kill Hitler as a child yeah and I would I know. would punch his mom right in the stomach I'd kick him right in the head Hitler's a bit different because we know that he did horrible things but the Nephilim is, is up in the air what if you just raised him instead and kind of made sure he didn't become bad <laughs> like listen the entire instead of going to learn his ABC's he learns that Jews are good that, 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 <laughs> that's a whole class yeah. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> <laughs> terrible <laughs> oh Mike and I just virtually high fived it was amazing you guys are horrible Oh, we'll see. My God, we'll see. <laughs> I don't know. I I don't think they're going to. I love when Thomas tries to recover from <laughs> yeah, something. I just <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I Which basically see them... means shut up, motherfucker. Yeah, I'm shut to up, move motherfucker. On. I don't see them being able to do it. Frankly, mostly because well, it's it's it... TV. Yeah, but they're gonna look. They're not. Sam and Dean won't do it, but it's gonna be taken away, and someone want someone else, a supporting character, will do it. I think Castiel's gonna do the deed, man. Yep, they're setting it up. I mean, Ooh. he made a he made a, he made a bad mistake with with Lily Sunders. Yep, he knows the threat it possesses. Uh, yeah, it I mean, he was willing to take a life of a child. Then, yes, he's changed, and they showed that at the end. But this is a very different ser- scenario. There's a lot of and he guilt. feels responsible. Yes, there's a lot of guilt riding on his shoulders for the past six years, yeah. and especially now when he was trying to do the right thing in season eleven. He was trying to fix himself as a person because of the guilt from the previous five years. Then he makes a mistake by letting Lucifer out. 
and now he has a child out there. So I, I think Castiel would make that decision. I really do. I think if they're smart, if the writers are smart this year, they would create a multifaceted issue of drama between Dean, Sam, the men of letters, Castiel. Imagine those layers. Damn. If they were, if they plan this right and it all comes down to decisions between those three parties, fuck, dude, that's powerful. Well, and that's the whole thing is the best storytelling comes down to when your characters have to make tough decisions. Well, the hard decisions, that's the best. Not, yeah. not when stuff happens to them necessarily just by circumstance and the choice is taken away, but when you push tough decisions on them to such a degree that it shows their true character. And this will be kind of the thing that Davies will have to confront right, sooner than later. Right. And I hope they play on similar themes as to, you know, Sam being ye- the, ye- the child of yellow eyes, essentially. Yeah. And how Castiel despised Sam for two years. He didn't like him. It took him a long time to like Sam. He, yeah, it wasn't an immediate connection. I hope that comes back. I hope they bring, the I hope that, they bring that up. Or the fact that Sam felt like a monster. And, and according to British Mental Letters rule book, Technically he was. Seasons one through five, he, he, they would have killed him. Yeah. But look at how much good he's done since then. So do you let this you know, devil baby live? Because Sam arguably was that. Yep. And look at how much good he's done. Yeah, but Sam's not half angel, too. And he's got amazing hair. Well, that and, and his abs. Let's be honest about his abs. But <laughs> he's, the, the thing is, okay, he's, he's, yeah, go ahead. he's not he's not on the same level as the Nephilim. Okay, like no. I, as much as as much as you're right, Thomas, I'm not arguing with you, but it's, no, I know he's well, not. Hold on. Hold on. Now, let's 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 weigh this for a second, because you bring up a great point, Brian. Hmm? He's not as bad as the Nephilim. Let's put this up here for a second. Let's weigh it. Okay. The Nephilim can destroy universes, right? Correct. As as they said? Theoretically, yeah. Okay. Sam brings about the apocalypse on Earth. I mean, that's that's, that's a bad thing, that's, too. That's right, just not, the destruction of humanity. It's, it's the, the part that matters Yeah, but really, us. yeah, humans are the, all that matters, though. Uh, well, yeah, but I'm saying, uh, okay, oh, you're right. So the, you know, I forgot the universe revolves around Earth. My bad. Yeah, well, as point, far as the, the show, being, and we're concerned. Yeah. Uh, look, okay, <laughs> galaxies and the universe outweigh our little minute existence here on Earth. So essentially, what are those? All those galaxies were empty. Oh Jesus Christ! Okay, fucking <laughs> that's Stephen, true. Fucking Stephen Hawking over here. Um, <laughs> the whole the whole point is is that I just yes, I think um, Sam is in season one through five could have been yeah you know pushed in on in that category, but I think with the Nephilim, it's a whole other a whole other ball game. And essentially, I mean, if it were me, if it were me, I would. I would take care of the baby. I just don't think that letting that that baby live is 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 productive. No matter how you bring it up and what you do, there's yeah. always that possibility that it can be used against against you. Uh, Manny in the chat room says they have to pull a Jesse. What is that exactly? Am I missing something? Who's Jesse? Thomas, yeah. do you know? I don't remember. Uh, is if Je- I'm correct, and correct me if I'm wrong, Maddie, in the chat, please. I believe that was the Antichrist kid okay. in season five. That's kind of what I was thinking. Okay. Uh, Let me Google it real fast to make sure. Yeah. And, you Google and, it. And he, with him, they just wrote him out to where he just took himself off the plane. Kind of like Adam. Board. I'm glad he got yeah. rode out, too. Yep. Yeah. Jesse Turner. Jesse Turner. Okay. He was half human, half demon. He was the, the Antichrist. The Antichrist. Yeah. And he had the limitless power as well. But because he didn't want to like hurt his parents or be involved, they he took himself off the playing so board. So he's going to come back and he's they're going to fight. It's gonna you be a could fight. have that happen. 
I don't know how I feel about that. It's Yo, gonna... Jesse Turner, you're a teenager now, right? Yo, let's yeah. fight. Let's get you. Uh, he's all emo looking and stuff. Uh, it's the... like they're like tiger style versus dragon style. It's Mortal Kombat fight. Right? Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> one has heaven powers. One has hell powers. Oh my <laughs> god! That, that, that's live read time. All right, guys. As you know, we've been doing Supernatural: The Crossroads each week for going on three years now. I think a little over three years now. Wow! Nice dance, Mike. <laughs> And all that time, guys, we've been trying to deliver you the best content possible. And now we're looking to get a little bit of help from everyone out there to do a little bit more still. With Patreon, we have a number of different options, including the Rain Man Digital Premium, which gives you access to additional Supernatural The Crossroad episodes, both audio and video. Yeah, because they mean, like, act like a dumbass. And you can see Mike you see dance. Mike doing his stupid fucking dancing that he's doing right now that you guys are all missing, unfortunately. People like that. What are you talking about? I, you're dumb. Let's yeah. get real. Wow. People love it. You also will get three additional video cast shows, Comic Book Chaos, Hangover Betty, and From the Holodeck if you are a Star Trek fan. You will also get access to behind the scenes through Patreon, additional videos and goofing off and behind the scenes shit that we do in studio or out um, in the real and bonus life. bonus shows. Bonus shows. You get t-shirts and swag if you decide to go up to a certain point. You can even talk to us on a regular. Some We have one very generous fan who likes to talk to us on a monthly basis. Absolutely. Thank you very much. You know who you are. And if you guys are interested in any of that or would like to help us, we that do sounded have, a bit perverse. You know who you are you know who when you, you are. see that upskirt cam. <laughs> that Ryan hey. has. We put the cam for Ryan first. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but also, guys, we do have goals. If we reach certain points, we will do additional <laughs> stuff. Goals. We, we have do. goals. We're not just losers who just do this stuff and then no plan whatsoever. We have goals in life. One of which is if we reach $4,000 a month, which is our second tier, I believe. Second tier. Second or third. Whatever. I can't do fucking Dude. math. Wow. We will do this <laughs> same style show for Eric Kripke's new show, Timeless. If it gets renewed. If it gets renewed. This is very, very, very important to this. If not, we'll come up with something else. We'll come up with something else. But if you guys are interested in helping out with that, please take a look at the Patreon page. Share it with fans that you know who enjoy our stuff as well. And help us out. Anything you guys can do helps immensely. You have no idea. Oh, Entertainment Earth. Entertainment Earth is a place to get all your geekdom wants from action figures, bobbleheads to pop vinyls. Entertainment Earth is your one stop for your fandom needs. Since 1996, they've shipped millions of toys and collectibles to thrilled clients around the world, and now you can, too, jump on board the bandwagon. See, that's what you do when you mess up a word. You just... Just keep fucking going. You just, just keep going. Yeah. 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 Uh, casually talk about things they have with Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> no joke. Okay, no joke, guys. But, like, the, that's my job, Mike. Come on. Entertainment Earth. Um, I've spent way too much money from them. I have a lot of things, especially San Diego Comic Con. They have a booth. I always buy. Dude, crap they from have them. some cool they shit. They got some really real. cool have stuff. Have you dude. ever tallied up how much you've spent and things no, like that? No, dude. And if I did, you it would cry. really be depressing. <laughs> like, no joke, super depressing. But Entertainment Earth guys has some really, really cool stuff. I actually own a lot of it. Yeah. And you're going to see what the fuck just happened. This I house know, I, is, I had a stroke. There's a poltergeist. I think I had a stroke. Did you fall down? <laughs> Maybe. All right. You're going to see there a lot of links on our sites. Uh, be sure to click on them and buy your stuff through our links. I know a lot of our listeners do, in fact, shop for these types of things. So just go through our website, click on our links, our Entertainment Earth links, and start your shopping. It doesn't even matter if you end up buying what you saw on the link. Just shop. Shop, 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 shop. Buy it all. Yeah. 
All right. So the big thing that we have not talked about in this episode, it is the return of Claire. Oh! I assumed that was going to be Ryan's response. Yeah. Oh, I don't mind Claire. Yeah. Me neither. See, here's the thing. I'm kind of mixed in this regard because I didn't mind Claire pretty much up until now. And I'll explain that in a bit. But Claire makes a return here. She's a bit controversial in the fandom. There's a lot of people who love her. And there's a lot of people, Ryan, who hate her <laughs> and don't care about her plot at this point. No, look, I, I just don't I don't connect with the character. I don't think that I just don't like her. I, no, no joke. I mean, it's it, it has nothing to do with the actress and it has nothing to do with her acting. I just don't like the character. You know, I don't care if they use her or they don't use her. Yeah. But if they do use her, they need to use her in the right way to help propel Dean and Sam's story arc. I really hope And that's what all guest spots should do. And that's the same thing that Kim Rhodes said in interviews and a lot of the, the, the claim to fame guest spots. What's the first thing they always say? It's not about me. It's about Sam and Dean and what I do to add to their story. So right. I, don't, I don't mind if they keep bringing Claire back. She just has to be utilized in a way to help shed some light and growth on the main characters. That's it. I like her as an actress. I think she's good. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I wasn't saying I don't like her as an actress or anything like that. I just don't care for her character. And I think it would have been, to be completely honest, this week if she would have died, it would have been more powerful. Oh. I, I, it sounds very negative, but I, I don't think mean it in a negative way. I mean I it in a positive way. Maybe not death necessarily, but had something happened differently, I think it would have had a far greater impact. Yep. Now, she is used in this episode to play into the ethics again. That seems to be the big thing this season is yeah. how much good are you doing? Where is the line? What is right? What is wrong? Or is everything gray? And she is very much a part of that. When she gets bit by the werewolf, she becomes one. And then they have that cure and she wants to risk everything and or just be put down immediately. Well, this is an interesting and very important element in this episode. Whether you agree with how they did it and how it was executed, is it doesn't matter. What matters is she was used as a writing device to, um, to strip away layers on mixed character. This was the in-your-face moment, the deciding factor, what do I do? Yeah. What does Sam and Dean do? This was a very important scene because this scene, as I was saying, is this exact scenario is going to play out again later in a bigger way that means a whole lot more to the show. So that's why this moment was important. Yeah, and it, it went, there's a couple different ways you could take it. So they have the fact that there is a attempt at a cure. And I saw uh, somebody on our Facebook page put this up that I thought was really well-spoken if you wanted to not play devil's advocate, but to look at it from a different side. So some people would say she has every right, like Sam does in this episode. She It's her life. She can decide what she wants to do. And if she doesn't want to even risk hurting somebody like Jody or Alex or some random person, and she has, as she said herself, she has a hard time keeping it together on a good day or a normal day. Right, which is basically everyone in the world right now. <laughs> a lot of people, right? If she is struggling in that aspect because she does have a lot of anger or resentment in life towards other people or just towards life itself and she now has this she doesn't want to risk it she wants to either be either die now or even take the risky option that has a what they say one out of nine so or ten percent at best 
and it was rats. It wasn't yeah. real people. A ten percent chance at a cure. Now, this was from uh, Christina Johansson on Facebook. She says, "Imagine this: you have a little sister who has just been diagnosed with a chronic illness. She's still in shock and tells you she doesn't think she can handle the challenges." She has been offered an experimental treatment that has a 90% chance of killing her. You have a good friend with the same illness who lives a life, uh, a safe and fulfilling life. You know that your sister has the people in her life who would help her deal with this illness. What do you do? Dean was totally right to talk her out of it. Sometimes people aren't in the right frame of mind to make life or death decisions. I thought that was really well put because you can kind of see it from the other side then. You and just, this also fits into the theme that Meredith Glenn kind of likes her little flexing right. her own her little her own thing, right? Is it too? It's it's in his mind. It's far too early to make this kind of rash judgment just because you're scared. As Garth has shown, you can live with this illness in some ways. Again, something that other people can relate to today. It is possible to live a life with this, even though yeah, it Magic is, Johnson. He's a good example. You know, even if you have problems or how it changes how you go about your day-to-day business, you can do it. But there is that fear. And so it does she have the right she has the right in the sense that it's her body, but should she be allowed to make this decision decision when she's this close to making a very risky decision? If Christina Johansson was writing the episode, this would be good. Because I'm sure that's what Meredith Glenn was trying to convey. Yeah. Because they're trying to compare the men of letters, the British men of letters, to the SS. They used to kill people with issues that could be cured. Yeah. They would blow you Diseases away because and... you were imperfect. They wouldn't worry, oh, we won't, we're not going to experiment, we're not going to study, we're not going to f- try to figure out a You're cure. You're inferior. You're inferior, we're going to kill you. And that's kind of what the men of letters are doing, and that's kind of what they were saying with this specific episode. I don't know... Maybe I shouldn't use they because I don't know if that's the agenda of the entire writing group, but I know that's definitely what Meredith Glenn was trying to convey. Well, I think so. so I think to, to, to piggyback, piggyback off what I said about her dying is that I think it would have been more powerful if, if the fact that the whole episode they tried to show Mick that everything's not black and white. Okay, it's yeah. gray. So it wouldn't have made more sense. To, and and again, I know that people like the character and everything, but wouldn't have made more sense to give her the I'm throwing air quotes cure. And then she still died. It, like the thing is, it it would have made the the episode more powerful. It would have showed Mick, like, hey, you know, we're gonna try to save our friend, and we might not be able to save them, save her. But it's still worth and trying. it's still worth trying. And that's the whole that would have been the whole point. I didn't mean like you know kill her off because she's I don't like her. I meant kill her off because it, it would have had been, more it's emotional same, impact. It's the same thing with Kevin. Ke- when Kevin died, it was an emotional thing. Yeah. And, and it was a catalyst. Like, and I holy. Think, Fuck. Right. And I think that and he tried to get the Kevin drop and he couldn't do it yeah. quick enough. Um, <laughs> but the, the point is, I, that's why I think with this, it would have been much it would have been much better for the episode. if She actually had died when they gave her the cure. Yeah, <laughs> there it is. Yeah. yeah. A little late. but <laughs> Nice try. Um, it's like 30 seconds. Yeah. Late. Like way late. <laughs> Stealing Internet from North Korea. Over yeah. Jeez. <laughs> hey, Kim Jong. Fuck you, Thomas. <laughs> That drops perfect. Yeah. But no, I, I just think that's... I agree with you. Yeah. I think had they done it a couple of different ways, whether it had been, look, sometimes we have to make risky decisions and our friend could die, or had it been she wanted to take the cure because she wanted so desperately to remain human, right? but then she tragically dies, Mick would have had another in-his-face example of how it is gray. Not every monster is some bloodthirsty killer. Or, as I was thinking they might have done... 
she doesn't get cured right away, but she does stay a werewolf, possibly escapes, and then she's out on the run. Now we would know Sam and Dean are at an odds with the British Mental Letters be- beyond what they currently are, right? Because we know that they would be actively hunting their friend. I don't know. I, I think it would have been a much meaningful and more, I think, more meaningful episode if instead of utilizing Claire, they would have brought back Garth. And this is something I said yeah. off air to you guys before we yeah, started the show. I, I said they could have utilized Garth. They brought him up. He should have been the one. He should have been the one. Um, I, I, For whatever reason, they chose Claire, and I'm okay with her. But uh, honestly, you made a point, and to take us off topic for a moment, you made a point at the very beginning of this segment uh, that you were okay with Claire Thomas. I was. And I agree no with that longer. exact statement. Like, Claire was was an important character to Castiel's Absolutely. development. Her being around was important to Kim Rhodes, Jody. Yeah. Now we have Claire fucking up again. All by herself. All by herself. Why? And, and I don't understand why they're doing that. To me, they took a character that I was okay with, that I liked, that I enjoyed seeing, because she was used to, to advance character arcs of characters that we all love and care about. Now they're using her in a way that I wasn't quite sure to parallel certain things, to foreshadow certain things, yes. But they just made her look like a fuck-up. Yeah. Again, because she fucked up the last time she was here. Yeah. And I think ultimately it hurts the character. They, they brought her back because they like her, right? Well, if you like a character, why do you bring her back to fuck her up? Why are you throwing her under the bus as you bring her back? Yeah, I, I can't get behind that decision. I think they kind right. of... They didn't do right by her character. It's a scapegoat, and that's move. and that's why I was I'm I'm over it at this point because where we had last left her, she had kind of had adopted this new family mantra, had was going back to school, was kind of getting her life together. She's not the greatest hunter, but she's still a rookie, and she's working on it. And that's kind of where we left her. This episode, I feel, didn't do anything to make her advance beyond that. I feel like at this point, every episode I've seen with Claire has been Claire with the same problems. And they always seem to kind of get resolved by the end of the episode. And then the next time we see her, she's back to angsty anger. And then you're just, you know, take one step forward, two steps back with a character. And I agree with you. Had Garth been the choice, A, it would have been it would have been interesting to see him again. But B, you would have had much more of a moral ambiguity with McDavies because he is a person, a werewolf who hasn't done anything who has been living a good life, showing Davies that it is possible. Claire, in a panic, can be seen as making a risky decision, and is it worth it, which could have been the element, but I think, again, had Christina been kind of more of the at the helm of this one, her, or her thought process at least, it would have seemed more genuine, with Garth being a werewolf who it shows that there is another way, right, but another way also that there isn't a cure. This was probably the biggest glaring, are you kidding, moment for the show. Was the, and I'm going to say it because I know Mike can't, the deus es machina element of the werewolf cure. Right. It has never been introduced and now until the very beginning of this episode, which they're just throwing it out there casually. Like, ah, oh, yeah, it sucks. And then it comes into play. It's very risky, but lo and behold, it works with this character. And that makes the whole event of her being bitten feel cheapened it makes her not dying or being a werewolf who who goes on the run it's self-contained and there's no threat 
There's no drama to this. There element. was never any suspense because a, unfortunately, exactly. we didn't care about Claire. We knew and, she'd be and fine. B, they said what was going to happen before it happened by saying, "Oh, there's a werewolf here." That oh, you, but it's that's actually of, how they like, said it too. Yeah, that they gave us. They gave away the ending by by telling us it. Yeah, and that's the thing. If it had been Garth and we didn't need a cure, you wouldn't have had that. Oh, he'll they'll totally be fine because watching Claire transform. I'm like, there's another five minutes and I know there's a cure. She'll be fine. But if it was Garth and there is no cure at this point and he's lived this life and McDavies has a gun to his head, that really could have gone either way. It could have been Davies turns a new leaf and says, you know, maybe it is more gray than I thought. Or he sticks to what he knows and kills Garth. Well, focusing on that, Thomas, yes, I think that worked. The whole Mick Davies was supposed to be the focus. Right. He was like, like I'm, I'm sticking to this. He is the wild card. And they're right. trying to isolate him, put a spotlight on him because he will be, oh, I'm yeah. calling it now, he will be the wild card at towards the end of the season. Absolutely. And that was the purpose of this episode, to show that, to strip back his layers, make him more real to our eyes. Why do you think they've been doing that for the last couple episodes? They're bringing McDavies out of the shadows, making him less of, you know, just a talking head, I spout out orders, and making him a real individual with real issues. And that was the point of this episode. Unfortunately, Claire took the spotlight. Yeah through some odd choices in writing. And this season has not been afraid to close doors on no, other characters. No, it's closed quite a bit. So if you bring Garth into it again, you could have closed that door, whether it's he has to go into hiding until the British Men Letters leave or what have you, or he is killed by McDavies or Ketch or the British Men Letters at another time. That would have closed the chapter and it would have worked in that regard of the moral gray lines, then you just kind of killed an innocent monster, which Sam and Dean showed you is sometimes how it works. But again, by bringing Claire into it, it feels like you just regressed her character back another two steps and then had no real suspense or drama because we knew how this one was going to end if you were paying attention to the script. I mean, dude, I never like watching the episode when they said that I was just like, oh, so nothing's going to. Okay, so. Something's going to happen, but it's it's not going to be worthy of me even like getting upset yeah. about it. You know, it's just like it just it's a missed opportunity to use. It's it's using Claire when we shouldn't have because she could have been far more interesting in a different story yep, yep. and not using something that would have made far more sense for the story they were trying to tell. Absolutely. So I that is a bit of a shame. And again, Deus Ex Machina, it's not exactly 100 percent in this episode, but it's pretty damn close. It's pretty close, dude. And that's never fun. That's never good. So Now, the last little bit, essentially, is Sam and Dean's relationship with the British Men of Letters. We have them have a very, you know, thin ice relationship with Davies. Sam, less so than Dean. Although I will say, Dean definitely had a bit of a pick-me-up when they went to a three-star luxury hotel. That was funny. That, that was, was funny. good. Dean is so podunk. Dude, oh yeah, dude. <laughs> he's straight off the bus stop, man. He he sold that whole bit, and he definitely knows. Jensen Eccles knows his comedic timing when he like throws Sam the keys, and he's just super excited with the little shampoos and the hot towels and well, I just the think whole thing. I just think it's funny because in you know in the in the twelve years we've been watching this show, 
you know, they've stayed at the shittiest motels you've ever seen. Yeah. And this is exactly how you would expect Dean to react staying at a really nice hotel. I mean, well, really nice compared to what they've stayed in. Okay. But it, it was, it would look genuine. You know, he yeah. was genuinely like, oh man. They yes. have hot food in, in the lobby and right. these chairs. Look at this. You know, <laughs> he steals all the mints out of the freaking thing. That was dying. amazing. And, and again, it, it feels completely real. And I think that's kind of the, one little bit that is very immersive about Supernatural is for the longest time we have only seen them in these dingy hotels. So when they were in a nicer place, I was immersed. I was like, holy crap, they've never been to a three-star hotel. I, I, I was laughing, but it was genuine, holy crap, they've never been to one of these. This is a whole new thing for them. You forget that it's like a TV show for that simple moment yep. because of the acting. Between Sam and Dean right there. I, I love that bit. And I loved... Davies was a bit stereotypical as the British. Like, oh, that's all I could get was this run-of-the-mill three-star. Posh, you know, needed a five at least. That was a bit stereotypical, but it it worked. It, it worked, was funny. yeah. But they, do, they were on thin ice with him in the beginning, and then they are done with him once they find out that he killed what they view at the time as an innocent girl. And now through his helping out Claire and helping out with the cure, he's given a second chance. Now, the question is how this will be his only second chance. And again, as Mike said, he is clearly the character that they are putting all the decision on. What he decides to do, whether it's join the Winchester team free will or join the British Men of Letters, will determine essentially the rest of the season in a lot of ways, at least as far as the Men of Letters are concerned. But how much, it, it's very clear that the Winchesters don't need the British Men of Letters as much as the Letters need the Winchesters. Yep, absolutely. Whether it's beginning the Hunters to join them, or saving their fucking ass, or showing them that there are there's more to hunting or killing monsters than just black and white. They are far more human in many regards than the Men of Letters are. And I think this is something that's interesting because Mary has very much bought into... She's 100% bought in. She's bought into the Men of Letters speech and and drank that Kool-Aid. She's working with Ketch. What flavor is that Kool-Aid? We keep saying Earl Grey tea. That's not a Kool-Aid, so apparently you've never had Kool-Aid. All right, keep it's going. It's British. Shut up. They don't have Kool-Aid. They have tea then. So <laughs> she it's is very purple, much... It's purple drink flavor. I do like me some purple drink. Yeah. She's very much bought into that. She's working with Ketch. She's very close with Ketch at this point. She believes, very much like the Campbells in season six, monsters are monsters, and that's just the way it is. I think she could very much learn from Sam and Dean's speech to McDavies. It's not that black and white. And I think that'll be a, a bit of a deciding line, too. Will they have to fight against their own mom if things continue down the path they've been going with her? I don't know. I, I think that'll be interesting to say the least, though. Yeah. I The thing is with, with, with the British Men of Letters and with Sam and Dean is that there's, there's elements to what they've done, what they do and, and how they do it. And, you know, like they the, having the cool gadgets and the gear and having, you know, I mean, let's be honest. When, when, when Dean saw Ketch use the grenade launcher, he almost lost his mind. Right. So it's like there's, there's certain aspects to the British Mental Letters that, you know, Sam is really. The gear in, definitely pays off. Yeah. And then Sam is also intrigued with the, you know, the learning, the that, efficiency, the lore, the, the. Right. Hogwarts. So, what is it? Kendricks. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, it's interesting because it's, there are aspects of the British Mental Letters that I think 
would help them get better at what they do. But at the same time, if they're all mindless drones, yeah, it's 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 not a benefit. And they are, like I said, they they're giving Davies a second chance, but they still don't know about Magda. They don't know. They yet. don't know that but they let again, her that's, go. That's not Davies. That's catch. That's different. But Davies probably gave him that order. Did Davies know? know? I'm assuming he did. And even if he didn't, that once they find out about that, that will be yet again another thing that drives them away. So then it, you bring into question what will the old men, whatever the fuck they're called, the the old creepy. bastards at top. That sounds so creepy. The it old is, men. What will the hey, old men do? Get in there nice and deep like No, boy. it sounds like, uh-oh. It sounds like that. Like yeah. old, like, uh, religious it's, men. It's, yeah. It sounds like the, oh, the dude. Oh, we are the old men of the middle ladder. <laughs> it sounds like the dude from, from <laughs> Family Guy. We must kill all vampires. Come here, oh, God. But we must Cram. start with the little boy vampires first. Oh, I want you, they're, so, they're the perfect height. Come here, I want you to suck the blood. Oh, God, okay. Suck it to the Like, it sounds so creepy, man. <laughs> like, I got, like, high-pitched high. right there. If only I could go back in time and find little Dean. Oh. <laughs> little Sam would be better. <laughs> He'd have longer hair. All right. Anyway, Jesus. they will have I to don't make know a if play. This is that type of audience. Here's the thing: <laughs> for this type of humor, <laughs> yeah, you guys, are, Jesus God. Now, if dare Davies, use the Lord's name in vain, if Davies decides to go with the Winchesters, the the old bastards at the top are going to have to make a move because they've lost complete control then of the British insurgency, essentially. Except Mister Catch and maybe yeah. Mary. But I think as we're getting to the end of the season, it's time for them to show their cards or at least show their fucking. We're face. getting close. Yeah, it needs to happen. So I agree. Yeah, I think with that, guys, it's time for us to kind of move into our final thoughts. Ooh. Ryan, would you like to start us off? Oh, uh, sure. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, um, this episode was interesting. I, I think I think. uh Mike is right about the Davies thing or, or Mick thing is that they're using him to he's going to be what the person that at least makes a sacrifice or something down the road here, you know, because he's learning the ropes. He's now in the trenches. Right. And and, and I will say this is I this episode I, I wasn't really too fond of, but I did like what they were doing with him. Um, I did. I did like the, the, the route they went with that character. And it's nice to see, you know, someone from the men of letters not be a complete, complete you know, Dick. Um, right, he's got a bit of a soul. He's got some soul in there. You know, it's 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 dry. It's dry humor, and dry, and that's how he is. But it, there is a, a soul in there somewhere. Um, every scene that Sam and Dean are in, they absolutely destroy and do great. Right. You know, I can't say anything bad about that. Dean at the at the hotel was freaking hilarious. Um, and I love the fact that he was like, don't give him the satisfaction, you know, like he didn't want <laughs> petty, Dave, petty revenge. Yeah, he didn't want Davies to know that he actually had a wonderful night. Um, you know, man, I, I said it before I said it again, I think the episode would have been way more po- powerful if, if Claire had died, it would have made more sense to what they're trying to do with Davies. Um, again, I understand why they didn't do it. I just think personally it would have, it would have made more sense to me. Um, the deus ex machina aspect of the, you know, the, the quote unquote cure was just, it was just too much. It's like, you know, who, that seems like I'm the gonna, second time, immediate second time I can think of that the British men of letters have had that they've, they've between had, the golden yeah. goose egg and this, right. They've, they've got something for everything and, and I'm sorry. And I, this is going to sound really bad, 
but it doesn't help their cause. They're, they're, I know what they're thinking. They're like, hey, if they have a, a, a resolution for everything, then it makes them look way more powerful. And honestly, it doesn't. It makes it look more like, hey, I didn't know what to write here, so I'm yeah. just going to say, oh, they've got a magical cure. So even again, even I, who am not a writer or any type of that, c- can see that. And that's not good. When a, when a casual viewer like myself can see that and go, oh, that okay, you guys didn't know what to write here. You just kind of threw something in there. That's, mm-hmm. That doesn't look good. So honestly... I, I the episode didn't perturb me or anything like that, but it just it was it was probably honestly man a C for me. All right, a C from Ryan. Mike, you ready with your final thoughts? Let me let me uh think here for a second. Um don't hurt yourself. <laughs> honestly, I, I give this episode a C minus. Okay. I, I feel horrible saying that. I love this show. And that's why it's so hard for me right now. Uh, but I think this episode suffered from bad direction. Uh, the writing was not awful. I think Meredith Glenn has proven that she can write. Uh, she's experienced, she's inexperienced, but ultimately I think she needs to be paired with a good director, as we saw with regarding yeah. Dean. She didn't do so well with, uh, with the episode about Hitler. And again, I blame yeah. it on directing because the writing was, I think on paper, looked okay. Um, and then you look at regarding Dean, she wrote the hell out of that episode and she was paired with a good director. She was paired with a veteran director known as John Badham. I believe that was his name. I believe that was the director. Correct me if I'm wrong, internet, but it was John Badham. And that guy has been, he's kind of a mainstay for the supernatural stable of directors. He's been there. He knows what he's doing. He understands the chemistry. He knows how to get from the actors what's needed for the scene. Ultimately, I think the problem with this episode was not the writing. So I want to be fair to Meredith Glenn. She's a freshman. She's new. I don't want to completely destroy her. I I think it comes down to the director. The guy is inexperienced. And if you look at the scenes that were executed, a lot of them were executed poorly. Uh, The actors, the guest spots, poor acting. I think it's some of the worst guest appearance I've ever seen in Supernatural. The bartenders were were bad. The girl who died, I, the girl who turned into the first werewolf. If you remember the opening scene, what was that? Yeah. What was that? It was so over the top. It looked like my five-year-old was pretending he was scared so he didn't have to go to bed in his room. Like, it, it, was, yeah. it, was, it was bad. I like how the bad werewolf dude, first of all, knew it was him in the first scene when you see him. But I like how he's like, I'm not that bad a guy. And in my head, I'm like, you know, outside of the whole murders that I've been committing. <laughs> Outside yeah. of that, I'm not Weird. so bad. Yeah. So Big fucking asterisk, dude. I, I, I don't think it was the writing. I think ultimately it comes down to the directing, and I hope Andrew Dabb in the future hires better directors. And I, that is his responsibility. He's the one. The showrunner is the one who hires the directors. Let's not give a new director a, his first shot on episode 17 of season 12. That's not how you earn favor with a fandom who's been waiting for 12 seasons to see these types of things unfold. Um, actors need good directors. The worst guest guest spots, as I was saying, that we've seen in quite some time from a show that's known for having fantastic guest roles. Yep. Uh, this entire episode fell off. There was an agenda with the narrative. There was a purpose, but it felt like maybe a rewrite would have helped focus certain elements. Uh, Cl- the Claire situation is a bit odd for me. I, I feel uncomfortable even talking about it because I don't want to be slammed by by listeners. But it's not fair to her, and I don't think it's fair to the act, to the actress. I don't think it's fair to the character. She's become part of a movement, a movement of expectations, which is the wayward daughter movement. 
Um, and it, she's now in an area where do we kill her or do we not kill her? Because she's part of a giant supernatural movement that was created by the fandom. Yes, killer. And I'm not saying that Jesus. I'm not talking against the wayward daughter fandom. I think it's pretty fucking cool, honestly. I like it. But I'm you on, have to look at it from a story. I'm on board that fandom. But let's remember that's essentially fan fiction. Yeah. They can't, and fan fiction can't dictate the story. And I feel like, you know, if this was any other character, they would have possibly killed her. You know, that's kind of a problem we've got into with Castiel in some ways. Is that he became a alternate? There's so much yeah. loved by the fans that we feel like we can't do much with them from a writing standpoint. So they kind of get locked into this Groundhog Day situation. It's a good thing they don't look at my. Uh, Fan fiction, because man, if that dictated the show, oh, horrifically boy. graphic. Dear Lord, <laughs> so, this, this show would have to move to Cinemax. So dumb. So I think the decisions that should be made is based on. Again, I don't have any inside information. I'm solely going based on my own knowledge and experience. But it may, it seems like they're making decisions based on movements and not decisions based on better story development. Yeah. Um. Unfortunately. You know, I think even her being brought back is more fan service than anything. And I don't want her falling into the same category that Felicia Day fell into, where Felicia Day became a fan favorite and they brought her back to you so you can clap your hands that Felicia Day is rather than because the character is important. Right. If you're going to bring Claire back, do what you've done with other guest spots that people love, like Kim Rhodes like Brianna Buckmaster, give them an uh, an ultimate arc of their character that you can see moving through the years. Yeah. And the one they had with Claire connected to Castiel meant a lot. It meant a lot to me because I love Castiel. It meant a lot to the fandom. It helped develop his character. You have to connect Claire with somebody otherwise or give her a story. And I think ultimately what they did was they kind of shitted on her this week. They made her look unimportant. And if you're trying to bring back a character that is beloved, bring her back as a badass, someone that can make good decisions. This is the second time you brought her back so she can make terrible, poor decisions that annoys people. I swear it's like the third. I I don't understand why you do that to a character that people like. Why do you bring this character back so that you can shit all over and make her look stupid? She did dumb decisions. Guess what, Claire? You're not a fucking hunter. Look. Essentially, Claire is the C squad, the third stringer. You're never going to make that college team. If you keep playing like this, you're not. Sit on the bench, make good grades, and go get yourself an office job when you graduate. This is oh Oh, shit! God, you just broke it all. (laughs) Claire, Claire needs to accept the fact that she's not a hunter. Look, dude, she's she's basically. The 2 p.m. She's basically basic. Yeah, she's the 2 p.m. <laughs> stripper squad at the oh. Oh, okay. the C she's squad. A, she's underage. She's the C You're, squad, dude. Jesus Christ! Right? I was just I was using an analogy. No, that's not an analogy. <laughs> oh, is that what did you break over there? A freaking wine glass. <laughs> <laughs> um. All so right, all so, I'm saying is, and I feel like I'm really shitting on this episode now, but I I just get annoyed when they when they do this to characters. Yeah, like it's this fan. character had everything. She had everything going for her. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. this character had everything going for her. She was the cool young girl. She fit the demo. She could have been a cool hunter. She was connected to Castiel, one of the most popular characters in Supernatural. And for the last two times we've seen her, she's just there to fuck things up and do nothing important. Yeah. It, it's hard to argue with that. And I think that's why, for me, I'm I'm kind of over Claire at this point because of that stasis they have seem to have put her in. You know. 
I, I with this episode, I thought the strengths were definitely Davies, Sam and Dean, as always. They save every scene they're in. The watching Davies make these tough decisions or decide to kill the girl in the hospital or deciding that this one's, you know, Claire, he needs to try and do something different or that it is not as black and white as he thought it was. I thought those parts worked for me. Sam and Dean are always great and fun. And, I, you know, the hotel bit is funny. And I liked the new additions to werewolf lore and I, and the lore in the show in general, whether it was Kendrick's or Martin Luther was a hunter, things right. like that. I didn't have a huge problem with the werewolf cure as a concept because they've cured vampirism before. But the fact that it was introduced in the same episode that it's used is a huge strike against it. Had this been introduced three, four or five episodes ago, a season ago, something like that would have been better because then it would have played into this story now much like they kind of did John's journal and how that was always relevant later it was it was a device set up beforehand that would explain why you found something later but this just was it is lazy and I did not appreciate that in any way Claire I liked Claire for the longest time because you're right she had so much going for her from a setup this is the character we're going to introduce related to Castiel going to be a young hunter she's a wayward daughter should be kicking some ass yeah and that's the sad thing is she should be at this point especially so much she's got the fucking Grigori sword like she should be so much better than they force her to be and the last two instances they have forced her to be kind of this young impulsive hunter and again, we know that she can be so much more than that. It's a shame to see her hampered by wanting to keep it in stasis or something like that, which again is why this would have felt better with Garth. Garth is a character that has had his chapter closed, and anything they want to introduce with him with this moral gray area would have worked because it makes sense for him to come back at this point. He's already an established werewolf, whereas Claire, it's just you. it feels like you're showing her only to take away from what she was, right. what she was established to be last time. We know that she said she, I mean, even in the previous last time on, it's got, don't be a dumb hunter. She pretty much says that. Don't be stupid. Right. And in this episode, Sam calls her out on that. Stop being that, a stupid teenager. That's yeah. not well written, if you think about it. And again, and not to take away from the way we're daughters or anything like that, but you have to make them relevant don't don't just use them and keep them in stasis and have them never grow and evolve and change or get better or frank or get worse or die or something give us enough character developments where we like them when they show up not just like felicia day suffered for quite some time being a guest spot you know and the acting with the new characters was abysmal to say the least you know and the chat room is blowing up right now about about her. But the thing the thing about Claire is, is not fan service is good. Maddie mentioned fan service, and I'm okay with with fan service. I'm okay with meta episodes. But if fan service is dictating that you put characters in a show because fans like it, certain fans, that's not how you tell your story. That, that was the point I was trying to make in the chat room. That's not how you tell your story. And the, the problem with Claire isn't her. It's the, the the writing choices they make for her. Right. She, at this point, should have been hunting with Jody and been a fuckload better. And frankly, shown Sam and Dean up in a couple of ways because she started to when she got information. Yeah. So for me, this one's this one's a C plus. So do we want to take a break? Or do we just want to go straight into our. I don't know. I'm mad. 
Do you need a minute to calm down? Ebony says Claire would be perfect on a show like Riverdale. (laughs) (laughs) And I think she already said she hates Claire and Riverdale, I think. So (laughs) you could tell her feelings on it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Do you want to take a break or do you think we should just go? I think at this point we can just go. Yeah. So we've got the little description here for the upcoming episode, episode 17, The British Invasion. Ryan, do you have that for me? Yes. Uh, Sam and Dean uh, get a lead on Kelly Klein's whereabouts. Mick drops by the bunker unexpectedly and decides to join the hunt. Uh, John Schulter directed and written by Eugenie Ross Lemming and Brad Buckner. So, okay, Kelly Klein's coming back into it, which I can assume then means Dagon, since that was the last we saw her with, was being protected by, Yeah, will show up. So another Prince of Hell, so that could be pretty cool. Hopefully she doesn't die in the same episode like, uh, what was his name? I can't even remember now. Ramael? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ramael. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Sounds like a gay sex maneuver. Oh, <laughs> Ram- Give me the Ramael. <laughs> <laughs> you make weird sex sounds. <laughs> last Don't week, worry about it. Last week we did the Dutch rudder. This week <laughs> I want to do the Ramael. Can you do the Ramael? It's on your pocket list? Yeah. <laughs> So we'll see Dagon. Hopefully we'll see Castiel join the fray. But with Davies being joining the bunker unexpectedly and deciding to join the hunt, A, bullshit. There's not just something unexpected about that. He's either decided to switch teams or he's being <laughs> or he's being forced he's to make a decision. He, switched, he doesn't just he switch teams and now he's doing the Ramael. Just like when Mr. Ketch showed up to talk to Dean to get him to go on a hunt, th- yeah. that's, this is going to be a calculated move for one reason or another. But I am happy to see Kelly Klein come back into it. We move back to the main storyline, which essentially the main storyline with the Nephilim. I wonder how many more episodes is she going to be pregnant or is this kid going to show up sooner than we think? And what I think is she's about to pop? She has to be, right? I mean, we're coming down to the end of the wire here. But She's also, just blow up everywhere. Oh, Jesus. But also, we have Davies joining the hunt. What will he do? Will he go old angel route and decide this Nephilim has to be killed now, no matter the cost? Or will his recent engagement with the Winchesters and Claire make him think twice about the whole thing? I think the setup is there. I think he's going to think twice. I think he has to, right? Or that'll be the big push. This might, be, this might be the episode we were just talking about leading into that Davies will have to make a decision. Yeah. This could be it. Is that too soon, though? I don't know. I'm not necessarily. I think because we're clo- coming closer to the end of the season, you have to move forward sooner than later, depending on where else they want to take this. It might be a little too soon, but I don't think right afterwards, if this was a book... You know, we would continue with this character and the decision they have to make. So it doesn't bother me. I don't think it's too soon. Okay. I'm just curious. I mean, I don't really think so either, but I thought, you know. It depends what happens. We'll we'll make a judgment in a week. We'll make a judgment call in a week. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to this one. I mean, I'm always for main story lore, and we just had a monster of the week, which is okay, but everyone knows. Who's writing this episode? Eugenie Ross Lemming and Brad Buckner. Yeah. Mm. Been a little all over the board as of late season 11 they were really good however family feud i was not a fan of which was their last episode so well at uh john show uh show walter's directing yeah so that's a positive he does pretty good i say that is a positive though so definitely i I think i think we're in for a good episode coming up 
up in the air. I think the content is definitely there to be interesting. So absolutely, and I like I like Mick, and I like Dagon. I want to see what a Prince of Hell can do when having to fight what I assume is going to be British Men of Letters, Winchesters. Is that a Prince possibly... of Hell or a Princess of Hell? Well, they Girl. say Prince. That's, that's but... that's I don't know. Oh, is it? It's all Prince. <laughs> oh. Is she a symbol or just? There's no, it's like the musician. Yeah. No, no gender. Oh. Why do we got to oh. attach, you know, gender specific titles, Ryan? <laughs> she has a, I'm being serious. Did they do it in the show? No, they called him the prince, right? Curious. Prince of hells. They didn't say the prince and princesses of hell. Eat a dick. <laughs> hey. I'm looking forward to this episode. I think it'll be good. I'm, I'm staying positive, which I know is unprecedented for me, but I'm well, going to After I'm today's negativity, which I'm probably going to delete all of that out. <laughs> Special for the live listeners. I just listeners. hate negativity. It just, but you know, <laughs> this episode. You don't want to be, you don't want to contribute to it because there's too much out there, but sometimes you got to say what you got to say, man. Maybe we'll, do a video, maybe we'll do a video cast on this season. Maybe. Maybe when we get into the latest and we have nothing maybe, else to maybe do. Maybe in another six years, we'll do a... Oh, uh, what could have been with season the, 12, The right? dabbleized episodes. <laughs> the dabbleized. That is the greatest thing you've ever done. Dabbleized. dabbleized. Jesus Christ. All right, guys, last little bit of reminders here. We are going to be at the Creation Entertainment Supernatural Con in Phoenix in June. So if you guys are coming out to that, make sure to stop by the table. Say hi to us. Chit chat. We like talking to each and every one of you, and we get way nerdier in person, I think. We try to reel it in on the show, believe it or not. Yeah. That's yeah. not true. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. not true. We could go longer. You know we could. But with that, guys, we want to thank you for taking the time to listen to us. Check us out on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Check out the Patreon if you want to see additional video casts, including the discussion about Season 6 and what could have been in multiple ways. And the cool thing about the video cast, we get very technical. We, we do. Yeah. It's actually pretty fun. We get into the ins and outs of the episode, what made it work. We talk a lot less about writing and more about the technical stuff, I, camera work, uh, visual effects. Can we throw air quotes on fun? <laughs> like, Can we just throw that up? Because... We're promoting a Patreon thing. <laughs> no, it's not like, fun, guys. It sucks, guys. It sucks. <laughs> Don't pay for it. I'm just saying, like, dick. <laughs> hey, guys. Hey, guys. Pirate I'll just I'll pirate pirate it, guys. Say, I'll bootleg it for you guys because I get access. Torrent this shit. Actually, give me a dollar and I'll bootleg it for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Bastard. All right. <laughs> it's just cell phone steady cam from Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> old school like CD theater type yeah exactly. that'll be what it is oh it's funny it moves around every once in a while shake. he just drops at one there's point there's sex sounds in the background every once in a while he wanders into uh-huh. the kitchen but he forgets what he was doing with the phone dude I bought an episode of Claire and Present Danger back in 1996 uh, on the Jesus streets of New York for that God, you're old. and there was some weird shit like that I bought it from New York from this black dude like hey man you like Harrison Ford and I'm like yeah Claire Present Danger Three dollars. I'm like, all right, bought it, and like the entire thing is like a shaky cam. I'm like, this is bullshit. <laughs> That's awesome. Jesus oh, Christ. Well, please God. don't pirate ours, right? Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you for taking the time to listen to us, and we will see you all next week. You little maggot, you are no longer a part of this story. Hey, ass butt.